becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you get to make real. I think it takes repeating uh, our, uh, uh, the saying for the show just real quick for anybody who's new to this. Oh, oh for uh, the title of our the show? title of a show. Yeah, do that. All right. So this is the kind of quote that this, sh- uh, this uh, podcast is uh, inspired by. Um, I think it kind of goes like this. Well, it goes like this, not kind of, it goes like this. <laughs> As my island of knowledge expands, so do the shores of my ignorance. Boom. Boom. And this is the shores of ignorance. This is where me, me, Matt and I meet once a week. Well, pretty much anytime we meet, but <laughs> specifically on Wednesday nights. <laughs> Officially for this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, well let's, let's dive into this maybe for a second and see what this kind of takes us. What are you looking at? Let's go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> something you and I were t- touching on earlier before the podcast was this idea of kind of knowing where you're at and where you're going and some things that I know there's certain practices that you and I do to hopefully kind of give us better perspective of kind of where we're at, I guess really where you've been, where you're at and where you're going. And I know you do a lot of, journaling and also different types of journaling. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, this podcast is kind of something of that same area. Um, uh, you know, reading, um, exploring, asking questions, conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of those things are, are sort of catalysts to kind of understanding and putting a sort of, um, uh, kind of pen in the Google map <laughs> of where you're at, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Google map of your life. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> And it's not that you can see clearly and it's not that you know everything. And I think that's also a part of why like journaling and reading and conversation and speaking things out loud helps us to kind of get a sense or, or, or even kind of show us that we don't know where we're at. And sometimes that's even more valuable than knowing where you're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, there's a certain amount of humility that comes with as you're laying out the land where you're kind of where you think you are, uh, you start to encounter things that, show you that you're not where you think you are hmm. and that's really helpful. And so, I mean, it's something that, you know, just have thought about over the years as far as, you know, you know, relationships, you know, marriage with your kids, with your friends. It's like, sometimes you think you, you are in a certain place, but you're actually not. And there's a little bit of confusion that gets thrown in there. So you have to kind of like reorient yourself or you can just pretend and at, that it's not there, but it's still there. And, and it's like, is as if sort of life circumstances will will continue in the direction of it being there, but you pretending that it's not, and it seems to always end in a sort of a catastrophe or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you don't pay attention to your kids and you think everything's all right and everyone's all good, and then all of a sudden they're in this place where it's like, well, where did that come from? Right. And it's like, but but and, and then there's also just a natural part of that of life of where like oh you've been feeling this way for the last two weeks or month or years, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, so that, that that's also natural too. So, but there's something about, I think being aware and making a uh, effort to sort of 
open yourself to uh, kind of orienting yourself, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. So we're on this journey, mm-hmm. the journey of life. <laughs> You're such a great voice for this too. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a little vocal fry going. Um, <clears throat> Next up, Corina Barana. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're in this constant conundrum and you and I, I, th- I feel like have been learning a lot about this, maybe just even through our own conversations over the last year and a half, which is that life is, or reality seems to be primarily made up of a story, mm-hmm. like first and foremost, before things like w- what we consider facts and data, um, there's this narrative going on and that's been a very popular word over the last two years. We all interface with it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very frustrating. Mm. And then there's something which is so-called reality that's going on. And these two things sort of are co-travelers in parallel down the road of your life into your own future. And so where is it that you are exactly? Mm. Are you... Well, you're someplace in the midst of a story, but you're also someplace in the midst of something that you don't really see and understand very well. And, you know, that could be some reality that you're ignoring or even some part of the story that you're ignoring. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the question I guess I heard you pose is, how is it that you know where you are and how is it that you know where you're going? Is that? Yeah, especially in the in the layered aspect of that too. I mean, there's there's the the personal aspect of you where are you at and i think that's something that is almost somewhat exaggerated in our culture and sort of like modern present day culture is like it somewhat does seem to revolve around the individual and in that where are you self-help you know you're responsible for you and and but that's not really that that's true but that's only part of the story it's like there's also this relational part you have with your friends, with your wife, with your partner, with your kids, oh. with your community. You know, it's like there's there's this layer and layer and layer of, of how you fit into, you know, um, you know, your politics, your religion, your whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so in orienting yourself, it's there is an aspect that I think is personal to you. And it's important to have that sort of self-reflection and orienting yourself, but there's also sort of orienting yourself to others too. Like, I think that's equally valuable. And it seems like there's also, we err on, it was just say we err on one side or the other, you know, it's like either, you know, the, the, in philosophy, it's called the one and the many, you know, um, which is sort of like the micro, the macro, you know, um, uh, Wow, I think a lot of my philosophy just flew out my window. <laughs> <clears throat> um, uh, shoot, I'm grabbing a little bit here. Um, okay, I'm, 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 I'm gonna come back from the philosophical part. Philosophical okay. part. Rewind. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a, in 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 philosophy though. There's there's sort of like the one and the many is is a is a um, a constant theme throughout. Um, all of philosophy and usually people focus on one side or the other. It's sort of like similar to like Eastern and Western religions where, you know, Eastern religion sort of focuses on the exhaustiveness of things. Like I, I don't know who I am or Mm. the Nirvana or 
something that's sort of on the oneness, the Tao, the way, and then Western culture kind of focuses more on the many, the, the, uh, you know, dividing up things into subcategories and categories of subcategories and like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to like pin things down. And, um, so it's like, so like sometimes when we get too too narrowly focused, maybe just on ourselves, we don't get a good orientation to where we are in the world. It's like, we need sort of reference points to kind of give us, a um, some sort of, uh, orientation of where we stand. It's like you need longitude and latitude to kind of know where you're on the map or something like that. You know, uh, street signs. Uh, so what are those things for you that tend to show you where you are? Well, I think, I mean, obviously I think, you know, this right here Mm -hmm. is something that helps me just talking about things and, and expressing things and seeing what I think. Uh, I think that's something you and I do a lot and asking each other questions um, so there's a certain orient orienting there. Um, you know, I think with Allison, there's definitely, a, she's another kind of reference point, you know, it's like she's with me every day, you know? And so mm-hmm. she knows like, Hey, something's off, you know, what's, yeah. what's off, you know? Well, she can only say that because she has a timeline of, you know, 20 <laughs> something years of, of, of Michael and something's different, you know, or my kids, sometimes they say things that, they, they don't maybe have the complexities I have and I get lost in the complexities and they're just like, Oh, I watched a comic today. Like she was like, uh, you know, when a kid comes up to you and tells you you're ugly, you know, it's like, you can't really be like, shut up. You're wrong. And so like, it's kids <laughs> just, just saying like, I'm going to stop playing with my Legos right now. And I'm going to tell you that you look ugly. <laughs> it's like, they're saying it for a reason. I, yeah. it, what, whether it is, it's true or not, it's like, you know, uh, well, you kind of have to take it as true. Yeah. It's not like they're, you know, we're talking about a small kid, you know, it's like, yeah. you look funny, you know, it's like, okay, well, all right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of feedbacks. I mean, you get that from your job, your work, you know, it's like, why are you not taking care of these responsibilities? It's, mm-hmm. it's either like, oh, well, they're putting too much on me or I've been slacking in my responsibilities, you know? Um, so there's all these things that kind of orient us, but then we also can get overwhelmed with those things too. Like there's too many, too many feet, too much feedback, you know, and you kind of have to like put up some walls to kind of protect yourself from having, from all the feedback that is out there. So I don't know if that that kind of helps. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time like... <laughs> <laughs> dialing in where dialing into where you're going with this. <laughs> well, I, I guess the thing is, is like uh, one thing that you and I were talking about earlier in this whole situation was, is, is a lot of times that we can kind of know where we're at, but we kind of tell ourselves lies in order to, to not really confront or encounter, if you will, the truth, hmm. you know, it's like, um, you know, Oh shoot. I'm trying to think of an example. The one earlier is in my head right now, but I want to go to <laughs> too personal, too personal. I can, I can replace it with another one. All right, go for it. <clears throat> so there's this, uh, this story, I think it's written by, um, Tolstoy about this young soldier who goes to war and he's in this famous battle, but he's at the back and they win the battle suffer huge losses. He survives. And 
they're back and all of the soldiers are returned home. And this young soldier, uh, is in the bar basically trying to pick up women. And he realizes that he doesn't really have any good stories because he didn't really see the battle. He was completely in the back and the guys who were fighting up front were just killing it essentially. Mm -hmm. And so he started sort of slowly assimilating other people's stories into his pickup lines and it starts working. And this young soldier is, is noticing to himself that through the course of doing this, he's replaced his own story with someone else's. And he remarks to himself, at some point I realized that I no longer knew what the truth was and I would never know it again. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um, and I think there's some version of that that goes on within all of us all of the time. Mm-hmm. Because we have these, well, these desires and these motives that we don't feel exactly okay about. You know, you, you might want something in business or in relationship or, you know, um, for your own future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this you have this tumultuous relationship with your own desires because you're not sure if you're okay about what you want, Mm. you know, whether it's on some moral ground or, um, or otherwise. And so you might construct a story that contains that outcome that you want, but replaces the motives with other ones Mm -hmm. so that you feel okay about what it is that you want. Oh, true. And so you move forward telling yourself this story, Mm -hmm. but it's a bit of a lie you're lying to yourself. You're, you're hiding yourself from yourself in, in a way that allows you to sort of move forward functionally, maybe mm-hmm. to put it um, like in the best light, I guess. So maybe this does speak to this idea of where are you and where are you going? Um, because sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you've buried your motivations and your desires so deeply within others other motivations and desires such that you can feel okay about them Mm -hmm. that you lose touch with what those really are. Just like if you adopt someone else's story in order to accomplish a goal that your own story wasn't accomplishing, you can lose touch with what your own story was. Yeah. Makes me think of those like psycho thrillers where like the, the killer becomes the person they killed or whatever, you know, it's like they kind of assume their story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that story, I got that Tolstoy story. I didn't, I haven't read that book. Um, I think I got it from a series of, of podcast episodes from a number of years ago from Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. Hmm. He's telling the story. uh, He's talking specifically about, about memory. I think the first episode is called free Brian Williams. It's really good. I highly suggest you check it out. Um, but yeah, so we find ourselves on this journey inside of this story with motivations that we can't truly understand because part of them are happening to us and part of them we are enacting and yet we've hidden something from ourselves in it. I think that's what makes good good relationships, you know, good friendships and marriages and stuff is whenever someone accurately reflects back to you sort of that, that reality, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it, it makes sense to me where, 
you know, you live in this sort of Hollywood world and everybody's reflecting back to you this Hollywood world, but just, it's just not real, you know, and, and something that a lot of my friends from LA, um, (laughs) it's like everyone carries their business card around and it's like, everything's transactional, you know, but everybody will say like, yeah, it's just dead. Everyone's out to get something, you know? So you don't really have a relationship. They're not really reflecting back to you something true and good. It's like, it's, it's all in reference to something of, you know, getting a part or a gig or, or whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's all transactional. It has nothing to do with the individual and a relationship, you know? And so Mm. there's something really hollow in that type of, um, type of situation, which it, it just feels something about it feels unreal because it's, it's kind of not, you know, um, it's like a, it's like a model of something real or like a potential structure for something real to attach itself to. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't, it remains to use your word hollow. Yeah. So what constitutes, um, interactions and relationship and in a life or a day that feels real. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I want to jump all the way here right now, but I probably will anyways. Um, I think that's where religious language is so useful and helpful. You know, it's like sort of what's the ultimate reference point reality itself, God, you know, does anybody know God? Nobody knows God. He is unnamed basically, you know, however, there's aspects that point to God's character or his, his, um, his purpose or whatever it might be, you know, but you, it's, it's, it's still somewhat vague because it's so big, you know, there's such, there's so many aspects to it that you're always a part or an aspect in it. And so there's a little bit of humility in that part of it. You know, it's like, uh, like the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom kind of idea where, you know, the more that you know how you stand in relationship to something that the ultimate sort of reference point, there's a sort of humility that kind of comes with that, you know, or defiance, you know, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that that kind of makes me think of like, you know, you know, you can replace that with truth or, or, or reality, you know, it's like, there's something here that's deeper than what I'm experiencing. And I know, and I want to understand and I want to pursue that. And the only way that, you know, if you're, you know, close to that is that there's some sort of like feedback from that source. Um, Cause when you experience a, when you experience feedback from a source that is hollow or incomplete, that also gives you some sort of reference point of like, Oh, well I'm off. You know, it's like, uh, sort of like a, a, a wave, a sine wave or something like that. You know, it's sort of like, what, what's that part that's in the middle, the median or whatever mm-hmm. it goes back and forth, you know, but you have the, that median where it hits and then it kind of comes back, you know? Um, and so when you get further out, it's like, it, yeah, anyways, <laughs> what is it like to, you know, if you're sort of <clears throat> skirting and swerving mm-hmm. back and forth past some median line in your life, 
and that median line represents sort of the right place. Mm-hmm. Or what the Tao, the way. It's, it's, yeah. What does that right place feel like? How do you know that you're in the right place? Or maybe how do you know that you're not in the right place? Well, I think that's, again, I think that's why religious language is so much more useful in this area. Because it's like, it's, there's sort of like a, it's, it's almost a feeling. It's almost an experience that you have when you, when you come to that place or hit that, hit something you're like, Whoa, what was that? You know, something I think of too, is like, I've always thought about wisdom. Wisdom sort of like honey, you know, once you've tasted something sweet like that, like, mm, man, that was really sweet. And then you go without something like that and then you come across that taste again. You're like, Oh wait, I've, I've tried that before. Hmm. And it's, and you, it's a, it's a, it's a physical emotional reaction that you have to something that kind of hones you into some place. You know, I think, you know, you hear, um, you know, it, it's Eureka or, um, uh, there's something about truth that sings to you, you know, that, cause when you're out in the, when you're out in the unknown, I mean, there's things that we know now that are, you know, whether it be, you know, proofs or theorems that are, are fairly accurate that help us navigate things. But the further you go out, it's, it becomes more of an intuition, a feeling that you have about the possibility of something and you have to kind of explore, but the closer you get to it, the, it sort of has that sort of taste of honey, like, Oh, something's here. And, um, or even a relationship, you know, you go out with somebody and you're like, Oh wow. Something about this is good. You know, and then you go further into it, it might be like, oh, well, that was good, but there's something else that's not, that's kind of off. There's not, some, there's something that's not working. And so you either have to work through that or, or shift to another, um, another, uh, or shift out of it. <laughs> yeah. I think we're being pretty esoteric here, <laughs> but it's, but it, I think that's kind of, I feel part like I'm looking for a line into your head. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sh- Usually we're pretty good about sharing headspace and I haven't gotten in there yet. <clears throat> well, I think this is the hardest, the hardest space because I, we, we do this is that we explore ideas and thoughts. And even with ourselves, it's like, we don't know, we don't really know where we're going. And a lot of times we make plans, but plans are not really where we're going. It just kind of helps us make the next steps. I think who was it? Chesterton, I think said, uh, the plan is nothing. Planning is everything. Yes. Was that Chesterton? I don't know. It was Chesterton, but I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. But just, I, I, I can think of so many parts of my life, almost everything in my life. I've come up with a plan for, and nothing ever turns out the way that I expected it to. But if I hadn't have come up with a plan, I know, thankfully, exactly. Then I wouldn't have started moving in a direction. And so like part of that is, is interpreting into and looking around and, and coming to a decision that I'm going to head this way. And there's something in that I'm going to head this way that is truly powerful. And that's the only time I think you'll really like sort of truth and reality will present itself to you that you're sort of taking responsibility and accountable and being accountable and that I'm choosing this. I'm not just riding the winds of, of chaos and, um, 
wherever they take me, you know, it's like, I think you do need to choose, but there, the reality is there sort of is the winds of chaos there also. <clears throat> but I think that has to do with like how you orient yourself in the world. Am I, am I, are you, or am I making any lines here? <laughs> am I throwing any lines out? <clears throat> so the word curiosity came into my head when you were, well, you're talking about honey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm just thinking, and it is very broad. Um, but what is it? It's like, what is it that drives you forward in life? Because we're talking about concepts of truth, concepts of God and religion. Um, and, and in this statement, things don't work out as I planned and sort of thank God for that. Mm-hmm. What is it that drives us forward? It's something about curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's something about knowing that the best laid plans are, there's some quote about that, right? The best laid plans are yes, of mice and men or <laughs> foolish or whatever. I don't uh-huh. know. You know, they always go out the window. And why is that? It's because life surprises you mm-hmm. for better or worse. Things happen that you can't expect. Yeah. And we're curious about that. We're deeply curious about that. Mm-hmm. We want to know what's going to happen next. And when it happens, we want to be surprised. We're, we're disappointed and bummed when we're not, mm-hmm. you know, even if we make a plan and get everything we want, we think, well, man, I should have planned for more. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have this, this, um, disappointment associated with it. And I think that that says something really wonderful about the potential of life and actually makes a segue into your point about religious language. You know, if we accept that life is going to surprise us, which I think we all do, even if we don't um, articulate it that way, you look at the way that people talk about their spouses or their jobs or their kids or the most important things in their life. They say, you know, hopefully they say, they've made my life better than I could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that's true, it is something that people say. And even if you don't feel that way, you know, it's something that you could possibly say, you Mm -hmm. can imagine that possibility. And if you can imagine the possibility of things being better than you can imagine, then what is it that you're talking about? You don't know your past imagination. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think where the religious language that you're talking about comes into play. There's no other way to talk about that than in some sort of spiritual or, or godly term. Mm-hmm. What's on the outside of imagination? You don't know. You can't imagine it. You get to know it as it happens. And, a- and what drives us toward that? Well, it's that sheer curiosity. And, and the fact that you know that it's possible makes you insatiably curious mm but also doomed to be constantly more satisfied than you can imagine and dissatisfied because you know that the further you push past the limits of your imagination, whatever's on the other side of that keeps moving away from you just as quickly. Mm. And so maybe this completes the, um, the sort of tying some of this together, this you're going back and forth skirting and sliding around this line, this median line that we describe as the right path or the place that you want to be, that you should be. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you can't stay on it because you don't know what it is. Mm. 
And the more you know what it is, the more you know you don't know about it. Hmm. And it's your... <clears throat> but the more you experience it, the more curious you are and the more hope you have Yeah, in its... Well, not only its existence, whatever that means, um, but its, its power to... Gosh, I to redeem your life hmm. to redeem your family and your culture. And again, here we are in this religious language. What does that mean? Well, you can also see it in sort of like the, so like you, you think of both sides of this, of this sort of line. One is sort of chaos where you get, you spin out into the unknown and you're lost. You're just lost in basically, a. uh, a sea of unknown and that's it's it's very untethering you don't know what's <clears throat> kind of what's going on who am i what's this world about i don't have what's this relationship it's it's sort of you don't have anything to kind of tether yourself to you could know, describe that as disillusionment mm -hmm. dissociation mm -hmm. yeah and then you have the other side of the line which is kind of like that line uh, which is order you know it's like you build this sort of castle or this wall or this house that limits your exposure to the unknown and it keeps you safe. You have air conditioning, you have DoorDash and you know, everything's delivered to you. And, and it's sort of like this protective environment that you have curated in order to keep you safe. Um, but it's manufactured at some point it becomes stale and all these things are happening around you. You don't know like, Oh wow. Someone has to bring these groceries to me, you know? Uh, someone has to make these laws. Somebody has to, you know, clean the streets and pick up your trash, but you've created this sort of like sterile environment that is safe and you don't have to go out and encounter the world, you know? Um, but something in that you just sort of like, there's sort of a death that kind of happens on that side too, but it's, it's almost more of like a, a sterile type of space. Hmm. <clears throat> which I mean, again, and on both sides of that, it's like, sometimes you need to be out there where you're thrown into chaos and, and you need to have sort of like your barriers broken in order to like, where am I? Who am I? What is this? You know, it's like, and then, then, then they come back on the other side. It's like, sometimes you do need to put up those walls and, and put some safety around you that you're not ready for. You're not ready to encounter something. So it's not that necessarily they're, they're, they're negative in and of themselves. It's just that if we, if we build our houses on one side or the other, it's sort of, there's no growth that happens. Hmm. Well, and you kind of know, I think implicitly that both options sort of like living, living in chaos, whether it, you know, it could be creative chaos, it could mm -hmm. be destructive chaos, but you know that that's not ultimately good. It's, it's maybe a little harder to know that, um, living in complete order is also not ultimately good, mm -hmm. but I would make the case <clears throat> that you, you kind of do know it because you've always known, you've all, all known someone who's been, let's say very strict. There's lots of structure mm -hmm. and the ultimate sort of version of that is this tyranny, the tyranny of structure. Yeah that says here is the way things are things are the way they ought to be. And this is enough. Mm -hmm. And you, and you, your response to that, especially when you're a child 
is bullshit. You know, this isn't enough. There's like a thousand other ways that I can and want to and will do this, even mm-hmm. though you're going to, you know, punish me. Yeah. It's stifling. And precisely because there is more to life than can be imagined. And so the, especially when you're a kid, I think that you encounter that structure as, as like this very absolute arrogance Mm. that you think that you have, that you can uh, control the other side of imagination. Um, And so what do you do? It's like, we're, we're somehow doomed to live this life with one foot in order and one foot in chaos. And it's, Mm -hmm. Oh, to make the case for chaos, maybe in a simplistic way, we have to sleep. And in order to sleep, you have to have some amount of order, Mm. some amount of structure such that you can like, you know, (laughs) you can uh, leave your avatar body and like (laughs) go somewhere else and it's safe for the night. Um, Uh So you absolutely have to have some level of order and, and, but you, you know that order is also bullshit because it's not Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. I mean, you see this in governments, you know, throughout, throughout time. And even you see that right now with like, even the trucker stuff that's happening up in Canada, you know, people are like saying, I'm tired of this. It's like, what do, what do you want? I don't know, but I'm tired of this, you know? all these mandates and stuff like that. It's like, I need some freedom. And depending on where you stand on, on the side of all these things, it's like some people are wanting more order. Like, no, I want more restrictions, more order to keep me safe. And other people are like, no, I don't want any order. You know, it's like, I want to be, I, I want to choose for myself what I can do. And, and, you know, throughout this pandemic, I feel like you've kind of seen, that sort of like in the early stages where so many people, so many of us went along with all the mandates and our suggestions just because we didn't know it's, it's it's chaos out there is it's going to kill everyone. It's going to kill half the population of the world, you know, basically. (laughs) And we're like, ah, and so like we're more open to that order that was brought into our lives externally, you know, but as we've kind of gone through this and have had time to, to kind of have perspective is like, I think some people are, are more of like, okay, no, I'm, I'm okay with this risk, this amount of risk. Hmm. And as that sort of risk tolerance grows, there's this disparity between those who are wanting more control and more order and those who are wanting a little more freedom and, and, and being able to accept a certain amount of risk. Hmm. Um, so I think really the last two years have kind of seen that sort of like almost that, um, you know, crossing that line of like, well, let's just say like, this is the truth about coronavirus. You know, we don't know what that is. We're going to go to order for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> and sort of arbitrary, order. arbitrary order because it's unknown and this is best for us right now. And then as we kind of come back and are understanding more of the, implications and, and 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 what this is about people are starting to to want to be, have more freedom to make decisions and accept risks for themselves um, when you live in a society that allows that sort of differences of approach 
it, it, it's a lot more, it's not as jarring of a, of a cliff or, or, or steep as a cliff as societies that don't allow that difference. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do this for now until, uh, until COVID is over, <laughs> you know, it's like, and mm-hmm. you just don't know when that is. Apparently it's now. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. It's like all the narratives are shifting right now, which is, which is interesting. Just overnight too. Yeah. yeah. So it's really week, astounding. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the distinction between hospital visits of with COVID or because of COVID. <laughs> it's like, we're just now making that distinction. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, I've just been so, so surprised that I think it's like four or five states who've had indoor mask mandates for two years are lifting them. Mm-hmm. Almost overnight, it seems. Almost overnight and simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And for no stated good reason other than sort of they've declared victory over COVID, which yeah. is a, it's like nothing's really changed. Uh-huh. Why are you declaring victory now? Yeah. I feel very suspicious of you. <laughs> or even the UK, like I, it would just surprise the hell out of me. It was like mask mandates and vaccine passport stuff was just, it was like overnight. I mean, obviously I, we don't live in the UK, so we didn't follow that as closely, but mm-hmm. to me it was like, Oh, they're, they're done with that. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, a friend of mine's flying back to the UK right now and he's arriving a day before I think some of these things go into, but so he has to follow all the old protocols for a day for a day. I, I'm, that's, <laughs> it's Mark. Uh, he's, he's heading back. He had back yesterday. I think it was, and it was like, uh, I talked to him yesterday. He was just sort of like, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we have to follow all these protocols, but the next day is it's, it's, you don't have to do that anymore. It's like, it seems so arbitrary, you know, but that's, that's somewhat what order is. It's, it, it can be somewhat arbitrary as that shift happens. Well, I think that's my, the point I was trying to make earlier is that order is always somewhat arbitrary Hmm. because it's never, it's never enough. Hmm. There is no such thing as sort of ultimate order. Yeah. Everything is ultimately in the right place doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So, it's always going to be wrong. It's always going to be off. It's always going to be insufficient, Mm. which means that in some sense it's arbitrary because it's based upon an incomplete understanding incomplete model of, well, of the world as it was when the order was instantiated. Mm. But also you have the problem that the world is changing out in front of you. And so the second order is established. It's, it's immediately out of date. Mm. Uh, yeah, it just sound like when I worked for the state, it's sort of like, I understand like all the, why all these processes and procedures are in place, but they're so cumbersome. I was an internal auditor for Texas department of criminal justice, uh, when I graduated from college and, but you could understand why those systems were in place. But for those to change takes probably even decades, you know, it's like mm-hmm. we we're still working off of green computer screens in 2003, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the old, was it DOS like type the stuff? the black screen with the mm-hmm. green type. Yeah, so anytime I had to look up, like, inmates and all that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, <laughs> old green screen. It was yeah. just, like, hilarious. It's like, right. I seriously even doubt they're probably updated even today. You know wow. what I mean? Um, but again, it's a highly, or, like, we... There's also, you, like, a valid argument for that. It's like, mm-hmm. if something's working... Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to mess with it too much. Totally. Well, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, it works. So it's like, why, why, why change it to some degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Well, so the, the question we started this podcast with was, this is like the longest silence we've ever had. I, I, I got caught in too many, too many. Yeah. We have well, we started the question, you started by posing the question, like, how do we know where we are and where are we going? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to ask that question about this particular <laughs> podcast episode. Like, where are we and where are we going? Well, I think that's a good question. Because, like, I mean, honestly, like, what I feel like what we're exploring right now is that space, which is a really difficult space to explore because... You know, we all want certainty. We want things to to be in the known. But when things are too much in the known, we get squirmish and we want to like, we need something to give us a larger perspective, you know, and, and I think that's, I think that's kind of where this conversation is right now is like, we're, we're exploring that, that space in between and that, um, kind of almost like exactly where the shores of ignorance kind of sits. It's like, it's like you're continually struggling with that sort of order and chaos mm-hmm. space. And it's uncomfortable because, you know, it's like you don't, we don't know who we are and we also know who we are. And like those two, those two things are contradictory and par- paradoxical. Um, and I think that's why like things like writing and, podcast and stuff like that is you, you get a, you kind of get a better sense of where you are and maybe like, um, like I would say like right now, like I'm, I'm in a lot of different transitioning kind of spaces. And so it's like, I've had to kind of question more of like, well, what do I want, you know, into the future? You know, my kids are starting to get to that age where they're going to be leaving the house. You know, it's like, what does that mean? how can I support them now in this next sort of phase of life? It's, it's kind of different, you know? Um, like I will no longer be sort of the authority in their life. Like, and, and obviously like as they get older, you again, back to this whole order and chaos thing is when they're young, you provide a lot of order, but as they grow, like, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15 is like, you have to allow them to experience and to know that chaos if you don't, then when they leave your house, you're throwing them into a sea of chaos <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's like you're, you're, you can't protect them out there, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think more and more as my kids get older, it's like starting what to see. It, what do you think we mean when we say something like that? Protect them? Out there. What is out there? We, mm, we'll, we'll use like, we'll say, you know, well, the world yeah. out in the world. Mm-hmm. And and we all behave as as if we understand what we mean, and we do. Yeah. But maybe it's worth uh, <clears throat> pondering that for a moment. Like, what is a, that? I think that's a good question. I mean, one way I would sp- I would speak of it in a, in a family space is like you know, parents sort of create and orient a world that they raise their kids up in. Now, the correctness or incorrectness of that world, and that's not something I'm I'm arguing about right now, but but everybody does that, you know, whether it be, um, in an unsafe environment where kids are afraid of, of, you know, they're very strict parents. You can only do certain things. Uh, if you get out of line, you, you know, there's severe consequences, you know, but at least, you know, like this is the world I live in. Hmm. 
but once you go, once you are outside of that, it's like, you don't have that, um, that safety of knowing what the rules are, even if they're negative or not healthy or good. And you see this in, in relationships that are not healthy. You know, it's like in why a lot of times the, the, the spouse or the other person will go back to that relationship is because it's safe because it's known. It may not be healthy, but it's known. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd rather be in a place that is known than, uh, than in the chaos of the unknown. Well, so maybe that's why it makes so much sense to us when we say out there. Yeah. Because we understand that there is something outside of the structure that we've imposed on life, whether it's our parents impose it on us or we impose it on ourselves. You know, through schedule, a job, yeah, whatever. Um, and given that you know e e those structures are insufficient and somewhat arbitrary and will fail us and mm -hmm. are co constantly outdated and at worst tyrannical, but there is some understanding that there's something on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. There's something that that is protecting us from, at least ostensibly. And so there's something out there and what is that? And, <laughs> you know, in some sense we know with, with our kids, we know mm -hmm. and there's another whole way to evaluate that, that we really don't know, which is if you look at the larger structures of society, um, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have things like, um, well, reliably clean water hmm. and uh, sewage systems and electricity for that matter. Um, like, let's just rewind 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we barely had, let's go 25, we didn't have the internet. Mm -hmm. Whereas those structures, just set the simple structure of the internet, it's not simple, but you know, in the course of time, it could be construed that way because it's only been around for such a short period. Mm -hmm. um, but if that thing turns off, the out there that we would be thrust into mm. might actually like be extinction level catastrophic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? Like we don't want to know what's on the other side of that structure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, like not having the internet at all, like Google Maps or uh, order your food or. <laughs> <laughs> well, any communication whatsoever, mm -hmm. access to any banking or monetary asset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd have I mean, to go physically to your bank to. Basically, everything you own account. would shut down. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I was like, well, you could go to your bank. Well, all your records are on, <laughs> on a computer, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, in the case of kids, we have to send them into the out there and that's mm -hmm. a seemingly trivial thing because the out there is just simply, well, you know, you're not going to be living under my rules anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what the out there is. And when you're a child, you think, hallelujah, <laughs> you've been a tyrant all my life. Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> and then you understand. It's like, I remember, um, when I was a kid, 
know, my dad would give me consequences or whatever at some point. I, my, either m- me or one of my siblings asked my dad at some point, like someone was pointing out sort of the arbitrary nature of these consequences. <laughs> of course, in your family. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, and, and to make that point, basically said, you know, no one gives you consequences to my dad. Oh, uh, which is a fair point. Mm-hmm. And it's also, there's no way to, there's no good way to answer that in my estimation without actually sending the children into the out there. Yeah. Because the rules that protect our children are arbitrary almost on purpose because they're like practice hmm. because the consequences that you get in the out there, well, they're unknown mm-hmm. and unpredictable and potentially catastrophic. Yeah. And that's a much harder environment to live in than the arbitrary tyranny of an eight thirty bedtime <laughs> and, you know, having to eat your broccoli. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are much easier to adhere yeah. to. And especially when they're predictable and reliably enforced, because once you are removed from somebody giving you consequences from your behavior, you have to accept the completely unknown consequences that come from acting in the world of your own volition out of your own responsibility. Hmm. What's well, even the world like the out there part is, is, there's two things in this. It's like, one is like, you know, owning a company, like I am the boss, you know, it's like, well, you don't have a boss. It's like, well, actually it's like my customers are my boss. My staff are my boss. It's like, I have to account for so many different things and orient them in a way that it should work over time, you know? And so there's a certain order that you're responsible for and that people look to you to, to be, um, uh, to, to create that order in order for people to have that safety within some sort of system. And, but you're at the, you know, at the whims of pandemics and loans and, you know, whatever it might be. So it's like in some way you're, you're also, whether as a parent or a business owner or a manager or something like that, it's like, you're also you're at some level you're taking responsibility and providing an infrastructure or a place for people to thrive in. And you're assuming that responsibility and accountability to do that. And so I think at whatever level that is, it's like, you know, if you ever want to grow as a human being, it's like you have to accept accountability and responsibility. And that kind of puts you, puts you further and further out in that sort of space of chaos, you know, um, and, and being vulnerable too, to the out there, you know, I also think mm-hmm. of like, you know, a city or a town, you know, two or 300 years ago, it's like the out there was like, you know, sort of like Frodo and, and, uh, Bilbo or Frodo and, uh, um, Sam, there's this line where Frodo or Sam was like, I've never gone further than this line. And that was the out there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's out on the other side of this line. Um, <clears throat> it's like, I'm going from the safe and the known to the unknown and the unsafe, the potential of harm. Hmm. 
but also the potential of treasure in, in new things. <clears throat> I mean, even like even communities, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, someone works at Medici or something like that. It's like, you know, I can just, I can just see myself like, it's like, well, hey, good luck out there. You know, it's like you've kind of existed in this space for a period of time yeah. and now you're going out there. You know, it's like even that kind of small <laughs> microcosm of like, you know, you've worked here and here's systems and things in place to kind of provide an infrastructure for you to thrive in or, you know, hopefully thrive in. And then when you, when you're leaving, you're going out there <laughs> into the world. <laughs> That's even interesting. Like, what does it, what does it mean to thrive? Mm-hmm. It means, I think something like, well, you can rest safely so that tomorrow you can be more clear and stronger, mm. more capable, mm-hmm. capable of what capable of dealing what is dealing with what is beyond well, beyond the structure that's enabling you to, um, confront it. Mm-hmm. So even the idea of to thrive is to move out and past, mm. or at least it, it's at least <sighs> predicated on the idea that you will move out and past because otherwise it's simple. It's stagnant. Mm-hmm. You're stagnant. And you wouldn't use the word thrive to describe that. Yeah. There's some amount of creative energy associated with the word thriving. I'm thriving. I'm creative. And the word creative, I think, alludes to the fact, or or maybe not alludes, but describes the fact that you are well, ordering something that was previously chaotic, mm. incorporating something new from the unknown, growing. It's even what growing is. What do you do when you grow? You Well, there's some additional mass that's added to you. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from outside of you. Mm-hmm. And it comes at you in all kinds of ways. Um, but it becomes a part of you, which means it becomes ordered in a way that causes you to grow rather than diminish. And so back to the idea of orientation, we're all ideally situated within some structure that is enabling us to move outside of it Mm -hmm. in, in a creative way. Is it hierarchical? In that, you know, you go from a, you know, thinking about kids and when, when since, since it's sort of like you go from a, a highly ordered environment to a more chaotic environment, but that, in, the, in that you have to, but in order to move further out into that more chaotic place. And again, I think some kids are, are not provided this and there, you can see the, 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 the results of that too. But ideally it's like from child to adulthood, you've got to go from a highly ordered space and to being more and more exposed to that, to the chaos and hopefully getting the tools to be able to order and move out into the, 
into the, um, sort of into the chaos, you know, like, is it almost like in my mind, it's like, is that, is that sort of hierarchical in that you go from a state of order to a state of disorder, but then you have to sort of create that order. Like you become more, like you have to, you have to at some time take more responsibility and accountability for creating that order and that you're and, and in doing that, you're also experiencing the results of your decisions firsthand, sort of like you're encountering reality. Because I, I don't see, I, don't, I can't see like it's more of like, maybe it's more not maybe hierarchical, more progressive, you know, it's like you have to, pro, you have to, you have to make progress to make progress means that you have to to encounter the unknown and chaos. Yeah. I'm having trouble bolting the idea of hierarchy onto the, yeah. the landscape we've laid out here, but yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not sure that you, <clears throat> I mean, maybe this is an alternate point, but I'm not sure that you can get away from hierarchies in any, any situation at all, because mm-hmm. even the way that we've described it structure exists such that we can thrive so that we can move outside of it. Well, that's very directional. Mm-hmm. And for there to be any direction, for there to be directionality, there has to be directions which are valued more than other directions. Mm-hmm. Like we want to go left, not right, forward, not backward, etc. Yeah which is a value proposition. Mm -hmm. And the value proposition is that this one is better than that one. It's more desirable. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go that way, which sets up, I mean, that's very simplistic. That's, that's either, or it's very binary, but when you have sort of a thousand of those going on at the same time, everything becomes hierarchical. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't get away from hierarchy. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you're kind of positioning like, okay, I've got, I've got this, uh, four-way stop now you can go three directions straight left or right and you have to evaluate them as far as like what is what is going what do i think will get me to the goal that i'm heading towards Mm -hmm. well left and straight get me closer right doesn't left and straight have some similarities you've you've already posited in that example that there is a desired place to go yeah Mm -hmm. and there's more places that you could go. So you've said that that one's more important. True. True. And I guess it would be simple enough to argue against the validity of hierarchies based upon this simplistic example of sort of like personal choice. But if we are to act together, you and I, or in a larger setting, whether that be a business Mm. or town or culture, a nation, we have to we have to move towards things together otherwise it's absolute chaos hmm. and that's not good for anyone so we have to share the same value propositions we have to at least it, yeah i mean obviously no one's going to align completely on value propositions mm-hmm. but we have to have common values mm-hmm. which is in, immediately going to instantiate hier- hierarchies within the mm-hmm. culture but if you, but you have to have them. Otherwise there is no, well, there's no group to speak of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no organization. There's no, you know, I mean, every organization has a mission statement. 
you know, mm-hmm. it does. It, it's even, <laughs> yeah, there's there. You, cause you can't organize a group without a mission statement. Even somebody who doesn't like, we're not going to do that hierarchy or mission statements. It's like, okay, well, what are you about? You know, it's like, are you guys a, uh, you know, about giving water to people or are you about, uh, uh, bocce ball? Like what, what's your, what's your modus operandi? Like what's your mission statement? Like, it's like, you just can't get around that. It's like, Oh, well I, we're, we're about bocce ball and you know, wells in Africa. And it's like, and then half the group goes like, wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm for Wells in Africa. And the other's like, I'm for, I'm kind of more in the bocce ball group, you know, it's <laughs> like random examples. I know. I wanted to make it as random that as possible. You, did well. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, we, we sort of orient ourselves to sort of like valuing in any, any group, some, some sort of goal over another. Yeah. Where like well, some, some people like a, might be well people and some people might also play bocce ball, but they value wells over bocce ball. Well, and I think we're all somehow like deeply subconsciously terrified of not knowing where we are, like being in a situation mm-hmm. in which we say, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And my evidence for that is that we have all had the dream where you're back in college and all of a sudden you show up at a class and you're, it's the wrong class. You're not supposed to be there. And it's terrifying. It's horrifying. What is this? Class? I'm not, I'm in the wrong, cl- I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody in my version of it is, I guess everybody like thinks I'm supposed to be there and the teacher doesn't want to let me leave because you're supposed to be here. And I'm like, no, oh, it's the wrong class. I'm not supposed to be here. Um, we want to know where we are. And to know where we are, we have to sense that in relation to some, some proposed value. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, where are you? You don't know. You know, it's like you show up to work and if you show up to work and it's like, everybody's sort of like, so what do we do here? Mm. Wait, we don't know what we do here. What's the purpose of work then? Mm-hmm. Why did I even show up? Where are we? What is this yeah. twilight zone situation? Uh-huh. You know, it's completely disorienting and discombobulated. I just wanted to use that word. <laughs> um, good word. Yeah. So you have to set up values for there to be, well, anything other than, what is it? That twilight zone feeling, that feeling of what the fuck is happening? The, the, alternative to that the salvation of that Mm -hmm. is is the proposition of some value and to have that seen and shared and understood by others and well back to the idea of religious language because you could set up this example based upon a job you could set it up based upon your family you could set it up based upon a relationship you could set it up based upon a nation but back to the idea that we all have this sense that there is something on the other side of even of our own imagination. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't exactly find the limit to those structures. Like how maybe we, you could set it up as the whole world, mm-hmm. but it's still not enough. There's still something outside of imagination. So what is that larger structure? Mm-hmm. What is that ultimate value proposition? And that's when you start saying things like, well, it's our North star. It's like, why would you describe something like a mission statement as a co- and a company as a North star? Mm-hmm. Cause it's really far away and, and you're not, 
Yeah, you're never going to get there. You're not saying that. <laughs> or not the, yet, anyways. <laughs> well, it's not only that. It's like you're not saying that the actual North Star has some meaning that's relevant to the company. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're saying whatever is the most important value to us, it's so important that it's outside of our own imagination mm-hmm. because we know that when we're successful, we exceed our expectations, things are better than we imagined. And so how do you describe something better than you imagined? Well, something really far away, so far away that it can't be known. And you say it's something like the North Star. Mm -hmm. I I think what you're doing when you say that is the same thing that religion does when it says God. Mm -hmm. It's something like that. It's something out. It's like, it's like the ultimate out there. Mm Mm-hmm. If there's a limit to it, we don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. If I'm going to measure myself against something, it's it's the best of all things to measure myself against. And it's, yeah. Which is such a silly thing to do in, in some weird way. <laughs> like, we're not satisfied measuring ourselves against any articulable, measurable object. And so we measure ourselves against something we can't even talk about in a rational way because we know that that's how capable we are. Well, symbolically it's, it, it makes a lot of sense in that it's something that you don't even know what it means, you know? And, and as you discover that there's a certain humility that that always demands from you. So it's like, it instills that in you. It's like, no matter how how good of a version of myself that I can imagine, it's still not good enough. And that can kind of sound because negative. you're because it's your imagination that's the limiting principle. Exactly, there. yeah. So there's a humility that comes with that sort of proposition that of what you're measuring against. It's sort of and and that almost then that almost has to be inherent in the way that you approach life. It's like this is the best that I know to do, but I also know that it's not good enough. But I think, I mean, again, I think of Christianity, I think there's an interesting thing too with that, with like, it acknowledges that it's sort of like, that's kind of the idea of forgiveness, you know, it's like, or like you will never measure up. Hmm. And, and, and Christianity says like, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But you're also good enough. <laughs> you know, it kind of says that it's, it says that kind of like paradoxical is like, and acknowledging that you will never measure up, which is true, you are also good enough. Hmm. But not. But it's like it never. But it never says to stay where you are. It's like it's like because you have to have that in your. You have to have that in your sort of like. Um, I don't know ethos or in your. Um, and how you see the world is sort of like, I'm good enough, but I'm also will never measure up to what is what I'm actually capable of. It's like a both and paradoxical space. Could you say that? Well, the only way that you will ever achieve what you are capable of is by adopting a position that's that recognizes that you aren't who you could be. Mm-hmm. So that's how you become good enough, or that at least that's how you become properly 
oriented or faced in the right direction Mm -hmm. is to acknowledge that you're not who you could be, Mm -hmm. which is a state of humility, but it's the only position by which you could ever accomplish it. Yeah. Totally. That makes sense. And so if there is anyone who's going to accomplish it, it's that person. Mm -hmm. And we know that people can accomplish a lot. Mm-hmm. And so position yourself properly. And it's like, that seems to be almost all of the job. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Position yourself properly, <clears throat> which is a statement, not only of, of humility, but a statement of belief. And then to move forward toward that, believing that you could be who you know you could be mm-hmm. is an act of faith. Hmm. And that is, well, the path to salvation. Yeah. It's like to redeem your insufficient self or for your insufficient self to be redeemed. That's the path. Mm -hmm. It's, it's back to religious language. It is to live by faith Mm -hmm. in that ultimate value proposition. So you can swap these language, these terms out, you know, live by faith and believe in God. It's the exact same thing we've just been talking about. Mm. We've just, I just swapped a few of the words, but back to the, you know, the constant battle between or conundrum or paradox, maybe uh, between order and chaos, you know, there's, there's small versions of that in our lives every day, but there's larger ones that sort of go in larger arcs, And I think one of those is religion. Like all of religion sounds very stale, Mm -hmm. sounds very outdated and dogmatic and superstitious, even Mm -hmm. ridiculous and irrational. And, um, so I don't know. I, I've been really loving the discourse, I think in our society right now, at least that's touching on some of these things. And, even our conversations trying to essentially rediscover what is coded in, in religion Mm. in, in a way that revitalizes it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what Jordan Peterson has done and why he's become so like bewilderingly famous. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of strange Mm -hmm. that this 60 year old man who was essentially a nobody up until four or five years ago, is staggeringly famous mm-hmm. and is selling out thousand, like 10,000 seat venues to talk about this stuff, to talk about religious concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To no particular congregation or, you know, it's like, yeah, right. it's like a very, a very wide group of people, you know? Right. Well, it just seems like it's just something that, like yeah, even in us and how we're talking about this right now, I can see it. It, it can be very off-putting whenever, because I think a lot of religion has been is kind of tended towards more of the ordered space where it becomes dogmatic and stifling. And there's a certain part I think with Peterson specifically, he sort of reinvigorates that and and connects it to our more I hate to say it, but like modern experience, you know. Because like a lot of times we think of science as something that is, is freeing us, you know, it's like, 
Well, if, if anything, science is really making us more unstable because we don't know what's out there. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't, it's like we like to think of this idea of settled science, but I couldn't imagine any scientist really giving that any sort of credence. Settled science? It's like every, I mean, now it's probably even faster. It's like, but every couple hundred years, like our settled science is completely uprooted and <laughs> and like you know shifted into something that we're like whoa no way well that's because they were all idiots before but we know now oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah we, we definitely know now <laughs> yeah we definitely know now. <laughs> so you know <laughs> <laughs> no one else in the past was foolish enough to say that that same sentence <laughs> <laughs> totally exactly but i think again there's that the humility aspect of it is is you know we've kind of lost that in our scientific discussion. I think, uh, especially with COVID that science has been thrown around sort of like as this hard rock type of thing. It's like, no science is great. It's a great method of discovery and testing. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, science is predicated on humility. Yeah. I think. It should, it, it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it, the entire, it's the whole, the, well, the entire revelation of science was about humility. It's like you make an observation. That's not science. You make a hypothesis about that observation. That's yeah. not science. You make an observation, you make a hypothesis about it, and then you design a test to try to prove that hypothesis wrong. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about science. And if you can't prove it wrong, then we'll bookmark that as possibly true, you know, and then we'll, we'll throw everything else we have at it and other people should throw everything they have at it. We should keep trying to disprove it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The point of science is almost to disprove because the more you can't, the more, more footing it has. Right. Science is, it's about falsification. Falsification. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like, as you were saying those, those steps, I was like, oh, it seems like now we make a hypothesis and then we try to prove it right. <laughs> uh -huh. Right. It's like, here's what I think is right. And so I'm going well, to be all the I, information. I just want to call out Brett and Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying. Mm. Like I've been listening to their podcast for the last couple of years, both evolutionary bi biologists, and they make this point all the time. Like so many, um, so many people who think they have a, a hypothesis it's not even a hypothesis. It's simply an observation hmm. and you're making a claim of truth based upon an observation. Like you haven't even entered the scientific method yet. Interesting. Do you, they say why? I, don't know. I can't, can't give you an example yeah. for it, <laughs> but go listen to them. <laughs> go listen to two years of their podcast. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> There's 200 hours for you. Homework. Right. Uh, I don't know how we can tie this all together. It's, it was pretty, uh, all over the place. Do we need to? I don't think so. That's okay. kind of the point of what we talked about. Honestly, <laughs> we could just tie it together by saying you've been on the shores. <laughs> you've been on the shores. <laughs> well, I think that's important to know too, is like sometimes it's, it's okay not to come to conclusions or put nice little bows on things. It's like, that's kind of, that's kind of when you're into the unknown, when you're on the shores is, is sometimes you, you don't come back with anything. Hmm but you do. It's, it's, it's interesting. You don't, you, sometimes you don't even know what you come back with. So there's a, there's a, hmm. there's a helpful thing to go out into the spaces you don't know and to be okay with that uncertainty because it's something that you might not understand until 
months or weeks or years down the road, but being out in that space opens you up to the possibility of, you know, different points of view, you know, it's like, or, um, maybe, uh, reevaluating some of your value judgments and Hmm. propositions and stuff. So, well, I love the process. I do too. That's good. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for coming out to the shores. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Love you all. Bye. Bye.